0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to Golden Walkman Magazine. My name is David Walker. Very excited to bring you the second themed issue, and it is reverence. It is the theme of reverence for February 2020. This was the theme chosen by our guest editor, Brendan Walsh, and the amount of submissions that came in. Um, and the variety of submissions that came in were, were amazing. Um, so we were, we were so excited that, that Brendan was able to sift through so many options and, and have basically his, his pick of, of great, amazing work. So, um, we're, we're so excited that of the, of the choices that Brendan made to put this together and so excited to bring it to you. Um just a quick word before we go into this uh cuz it is different from our normal issues. Uh this is a uh a thing we're doing every month. So every month we have a new guest editor, we have a new theme. Um so if you're interested in looking into this, please go to our website goldwalkmag.com and and take a look at any theme and see if anything speaks to you um and submit to us and keep trying because Every month is something new, uh, a new editor, a new theme. So, um, with that, uh, I'm, I'm not going to talk anymore. We're, we're just going to get to it. The one thing I will say, uh, here is that, um, at the end, uh, you will hear Brendan, uh, Walsh talk about his choice, uh, his choices here and, uh, his process of, of choosing everything and, and, um, uh, what it was like so i hope you enjoy that insight as well um but let's get to it this is uh the theme of reverence from uh the guest editor brendan walsh
1: Floodplain Plain Ode by Cal Freeman. Bird laughter in the bougainvillea that drapes the weathered trellis. Cool shade, mosquito lair, reticular leaf shadow. Triptych shadow of a picture window on stone spaced out like teeth. Allegory about sloth and ornament. A wash of character names hemorrhages from the disregarded earth. Joe, Debbie, Charlie, Carrie, Jesse, bipeds dreamed up by crow and chickadee, specks in a long descent. Catkins and samaras, wind-blown cottonwood seeds, litter the ash bowl dam teeming with life. Lime-green pods of moss, sewn like glue between tide containers and chucked beer bottles. On the WPA pedestrian bridge, spanning the park and Heather Lane, shock of brown and white fur left over from some pre-dawn predation. Banked against this weedy river rain, a sloping warren where the neighborhood begins. The latest cataclysm is for them and all of us who have felt a few times like the mallards that lift off creek scum to arrow into nature, to find the guidebook's nouns evoking birds that militate against solitude, whose only faith is instinct. Nothing they experience is a metaphor they spend their lives embodying. At the core of this hard ground, something tells the honey locust leaves to peel themselves away and float. Grouse listen with hollow bones and refuse to flush. Let this be the one that praises them, the chickadee as well as the robin, the wood duck and sharp-shinned hawk, the burdock that grows in drab clusters along the banks of Ecorse Creek. As a writer uh, who lives in Michigan, I draw a lot of inspiration from uh, the Great Lakes watershed. And uh, this poem, Floodplain Ode, uh, references the Ecorse Creek, which is at the end of my street. And um, I walk down there almost every day. Um, I live in in Dearborn, Michigan, which is the hometown of Henry Ford. And um, it's uh, it's an interesting kind of industrial town in the Midwest and the ecourse fascinates me because in the spring with the heavy rains it'll often flood the neighborhood and it, um, it uh, becomes a real um, river and you know a, a flowing body of water with a quick current but when you get later in the summer into August it dries up to basically a trickle you know and um, I always like to go down there especially after the rains and, and check it out and look at where the water levels are And I also appreciate the fact that if you follow it uh, to the east of where I live, down to the uh, Trenton Channel, the Detroit River, um, it pours into the Detroit River, which then pours into Lake Erie, which eventually connects to the St. Lawrence Seaway. So I like to stand at the end of my road and imagine how I'm connected by that little dirty creek um, to the waterways of the rest of the world. And... um, in a lot of ways, I think that creek is an environmental bellwater, bellwether for how um, our area of the world is being treated and how our natural resources are being treated. Um, and uh, a lot of times it uh, it offers us a negative report, but I also find it um, its persistence, despite the uh, environmental damage heaped upon it, somewhat inspiring. Um, So uh, I wrote Floodplain Ode um, with these real staggered short lines and um, a lot of enjambment, And uh, it uh, kind of reminds me of the, the prosody kind of reminds me of the temperamental uh, nature of that body of water that I was referencing. And um, I uh, really hope people enjoy
2: listening to the poem. Thanks.
3: Journal Entry by Hiba Shabkhaz. Blossom Norn Dame scatheless bonny and blessed float your petals down the river, sink fresh ripe fruit into the ground, lend your thorns to line a new nest. Earth crumb on this black, barren rock hillside. Many laden sheep souls shiver for joy at having seen abound your glory in its spring-born pride. Hi, my name is Henna Ahmed, the surrogate reader for this piece. The author Hibash Shabhes wrote a short analysis of her piece, which I will read now. Quite a few of my poems come from random things, scarcely noticed at the time, that jump together into an idea. I usually scribble the key words or fragments down on a poem seed card and wait for them to grow. In this case, it started with the title, Journal Entry, which leapt out of a perfectly banal blog post on gratitude journaling. Then came the flower seen out of a bus window at the end of an exhausting day, and finally the Norse legend of the Norns.
2: This is Robert Benson reading Golden Eagles over Franklin Mountain. It begins with an epigraph from the Franklin Mountain Hawk Watch Report, 2018, by Andy Mason. He wrote, on October 25, we counted 128 golden eagles, a single day record for Eastern North America. The previous single day high was 71. The reason for this golden eagle push is unknown. The scaffold bristled with digital yashikas, with clamped-on scopes, on monopods strutting in khaki and camouflage, as a flock of hawk-watchers scanned quadrants of sky from Otigo to the peaks where the Susquehanna swerves into the valley and east. I stood by, naked eye a swarm with floaters the one, the other useless that magnifies and smears every human face. Peter, half felled by flu and Becky, tallied the count and helped the dozen-some visitors identify specks that could be buzzard or hawk or harrier or sharpshinned or rough-legged or coopers or red-tailed hawks or merlin, falcon, kite, or kestrel, among 29 raptors listed including unknowns, hoping for goldens riding the polar stream from Canada. Or better, one gliding low and hungry on a hunt. I couldn't see diddle, and it seemed weird to me to have the drum, but to my hand ungloved the skin felt warm and taut. So I slipped away and up the path, deer silent for the spring of thatch underfoot. I dug my heels in and labored up the grade, paused to catch a breath at the hill's brow, midway through the field, walled in by limb-laced fur and hardwood, when a shape or shadow rose, no, an enormous bird ab- rose above the brim, and, wait, I yelled, and I swear it gave pause mid-air, while bone-chilled I fumbled for the drum, and out of a cloud of sage-smoke started a roll of thunder that closed in, closed fast, and passed. Then the song brought a line of thunders, helping the verse find drafts and currents to ride and sign God knows what to the bird, white flame-tongued wings that skimmed the tree rim, gliding so slowly with the song that so tethered the two of us, it seemed the wall of trees revolved, the way between the potter's thumb and fingers the new bowl turns. We shared the easy slip of air around the bowl of circled trees once around his flight feathers spread trimmed then splayed eyes holding steady gaze with each lift of song a fresh wind then a quick turn of his head and he vanished who'd not be at first forlorn but filled with that glory who'd mourn or Sorrow for long, or deny he'd l- gone to let the others of his kind know, ready for passage through this valley to the Catskills, that here, here, someone had kept the song the eagles gave so long ago. WANBLIGALESHKA NAHA ANUNKA hea A'O CHUNKEY ME troka HEYA AN PETUWA Golden eagles, spotted eagles, the first to fly with the dawn. Come see the people trying to become human beings. Come. So they did and were counted. 128 strong.
4: My name is Lynn Shapiro, and this is my poem, Summer of Snakes. July was marked by writhing groups of timber rattlers, Croatilus horridus, congregated on the dusty road to the cabin and beneath the blueberry bush by the dock. But it was the one quicksilver snake that traversed in sinuous silence the shaded bed of dry brown leaves overlooking the lake, a dammed portion of the Rockaway River, really. I no longer recall the particulars, not its color, though leaves lie there still, surely different ones now, nor how it held its rattle, but it floated, seemed to float above ground. And that led me, despite fear, to move closer. And despite my presence, the snake never changed course, lured along by some unknowable intention. Children's voices swam in the distance, Time stopped, stretched enough for me to be alone with the snake, then with one neighbor, then another, each to stand beside me and gaze. Time enough to phone a snake handler and find no one home. Time enough for the children to exit the water and take a look. And in all that time, the rattler never changed course. How I took leave of such uncommon beauty... I do not recall. I suppose it passed some boundary, the old outhouse at the edge of our property where cover gives way to clearing. Two, it was getting on late afternoon, time for birthday cake and lemonade, time for the neighbors to return to their cabins, time for me to recognize my own happiness. But soon after, the neighbor boy rushed in screen door banging shut to announce his father had taken an axe whacked off the head of a snake the one his sister had almost stepped on almost within the hour their family was packed returned to the city the weekend over a severed snake near their wood pile but i have yet to let go that pure energy and how it coursed before me and was extinguished by a man who'd moments earlier stood in friendship and awe on my land, but with an ax
2: on his.
4: Um, Summer of Snakes took me forever to write, especially the ending. Um, Maybe 10 years of editing and reworking the poem. And it finally took shape when I took a workshop at, night at the 92nd Street Y in New York City with the great poet Jean Valentine. I'd met her maybe a year earlier at a residency at the Vermont Studio Center. And um, the morning uh, that I was going to share my poem, workshop my poem, I made what was probably the thousandth version, printed it out without reading it, and went to, uh, went to class. Before reading the poem aloud, I felt this distinct dread that I often feel um, that once I read it, I would know that it didn't work. Um, But everybody in the workshop would put in their two cents. Uh, But instead, this time when I read the poem, I realized I'd finally nailed that last line and I was incredibly pleased. And it was for me a profound proof that some things that um, you stick with and stick with, there is a, a, a time that you finally find what you're looking for. Um, I, at that workshop, I had included an epigraph with a poem that I eventually dropped, but I think it's worth sharing with you here. It's a quote from the Native American poet Leslie Marmon Silco from Laguna Pueblo in New Mexico. And I quote, reports by the spanish troops and the catholic priests recount their diligence in hacking up these giant rattlesnakes or burning them alive in the name of christianity now while this is a very uh, intimate and reverential poem for me i do believe it has a great deal to do with my larger interests uh, uh, that involve nature and culture And the timber rattler is endangered in the state of New Jersey where I live. It is therefore illegal to kill it. And ironically, the man who killed it was a lawyer. So this poem struck me as an important poem, and I stuck with it for a very long time. There's two other things I'd like to bring up here. Um, One is that on the written page, which you cannot see, the poem moves like a snake. There's lots of space between clusters of words, and therefore time, one of the themes of the poem, can be felt in those spaces. And hopefully that space, that time, was there in my reading. And to close, I have a little uh, addendum, a tiny poem that I wrote much later called Snake, Postscript. The rattlesnake severed by a neighbor Divided like lilies with a shovel. When out dashed a mouse, a tiny gray Jonah, surprised by light and air and second
3: chances. Reverence by Purbasha Roy when mother billows the air of conch from prayer room gyrates smell of grandma's breaths long touched like trees bent with snow of steamed childhood winters i imagine them straddle making spaces for the dreams reaped in dusty land not of my origins while i couldn't tilt on waves to learn fibonacci arrangements to prepare my body so as not to be swallowed by something unprecedented. I know what words you would have positioned in unrhymed versions of fear, mouthing their images within my edges like you always had ways to bandage sadness. This was your prophecy resembling chronicles of wind, But what can be done as my voice remains swaddled beneath muslin slipcovers like the brokenness in me? This was your belief. Sipping mists leads to arrival at arrivals. Transliterated for the autumn scraped from spring log. How many shades are needed to draw petals on buds I am but a woman with histories in your womb. What that vibrates from a language adrift from quarters of extinction becomes crepuscular art, remains of bruised hope. Your stories manage to fill where I void. Now I know of miracles as little gods who visit our lives in guise of efforts. To tie celestial buckles of tomorrow and take a race to beat this limiting expanse. Winged creatures, substrated out at each damp milestone, how you reach out to me from some other life, your whereabouts unknown to me. I want to tell you, I have raised my jaw from the floor, drenched with grief It's no surprise these days I see me as emblematic forest light, something between subtlety and inner peace I picked from flooding memories of you reaching out to each subset of mind.
5: I was overwhelmed by the generosity and language and heart in these poems. I read through each piece so many times that they became cohesive, this manuscript of belief in the beauty and terror of our earth and our tiny lives upon it. Ultimately, my selections were based on a mixture of reverence for the human experience coupled with the sheer joy of language. Each of these poems, whether spare or brimming with imagery, revels in words, our greatest and most incredible gift. I was most impressed by the ways that the theme of reverence was interpreted and examined by these authors who each constructed a world where gratitude and awe thrive, transform landscapes, and reconstruct the shape of life itself. My serious love and thanks and reverence for all who sent their work.